And you can pull out your notes today. We're going to jump right into this series for the next five weeks. We're going to talk about just hitting the reset button. And so today we're going to talk about some specific ways that you can start your new year off right. And then over the next four weeks after this, we're going to dive into some spiritual disciplines. Uh, we're going to talk about how you can grow in your prayer life, how you can study the Bible uh, uh, on another level this year. We're going to talk about uh, how the importance of memorization of Scripture and hiding God's Word in your heart. And then we're going to wrap it up at the end of January just talking about uh, the best ways to apply God's Word to your life. And so I'm really excited for where we're going this month. I'm excited for what uh, we're going to learn from God's Word. Uh, but hey, welcome to 2021. Uh, man, I'm glad to turn the calendar. I'm glad to get going. Uh, the Denbo household um, has has been bored the last couple of weeks. And man, I sure missed you. Uh, we missed you guys so much. And we're so excited to be back and healthy and just, uh, just raring to go for this new year. Cannot wait to see what God has in store for 2021. Uh, but it's really hard to put a year into words, isn't it? You look back and, and this year, maybe, maybe a word that comes to mind as you look back over the last year, maybe disorienting, uh, maybe, you know, unsure of the future, um, maybe just discouraged. Uh, maybe it was a great year for you. Maybe you're looking around and you're like, man, you know everybody else had a tough year, but for you personally, uh, it could have been a really good year. But here's one thing that I know. God is not surprised, ever, right? God's not surprised by your last year. He's not going to be surprised by this coming year. And so the question is never, especially when we go through a year like this and as we reflect and as we look forward, the question is never, where is God? Have you ever been tempted to ask that question, God, where are you? Uh, David in the Psalms, you know, there were times when he asked that question. He's like, God, I need you to show up. Where are you? And so it's so human and it's so in our nature to ask this question, where are you, God? But I want to encourage you as we turn the corner into 2021 that that's not the question we need to ask ourselves. The question we need to ask ourselves is, where am I? Where am I at? You see in the Old Testament, when you look at Scripture, in the Old Testament, God was in a garden. Remember that in Genesis 1, he's in a garden. And then he was in a bush to Moses in the fiery bush, the burning bush. In the Old Testament, we hear of God being in a whisper. We see him in the desert with the Israelites in a tent or a tabernacle that they would set up and take down and take the ark with them. We see there was a temple built and then God was in a temple, right? The Israelites, right? They were... 430 years in, in, in Egypt, many of those years in slavery, right? They went through 10 plagues in a very short period of time. We just went through one in, in a year and we're still not done with it. And then think of it, they go through 10 in a very short period of time and thankfully they didn't have to experience the harsh effects of a lot of those. The, the Egyptians bore the brunt of them. But 10 plagues in one year, they cross the Red Sea, they get stuck in the desert for 40 years, they wanted to go back to Egypt. And in spite of all that, God was right there the whole time. He was in the cloud above them, he was in the fire by night leading them. <clears throat> and so we see in the Old Testament that God is in a lot of different places, right? 
He's with them in the tough times. He's with them in the desert. He's in the temple. He's in the tent. He's in the bush. He's in the garden. But now we have the incredible privilege of his Holy Spirit being given to anyone who puts their trust in him. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he, he paid the ultimate price for our freedom. He rose again on the third day. And so Jesus, before he did all that, he's sitting around with his disciples and he says something just mind-blowing to them. He's like, hey guys, I'm gonna leave, but it's gonna be better that I go. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm getting to walk, you know, with Jesus in the flesh, hanging out with him for three and a half years, seeing him do all these things right before my very eyes, having these, these like face-to-face conversations with Jesus all the time and just day after day, he's blowing my mind and teaching me new things. And Jesus is like, hey, it's better that I go. I'm gonna be like, what, what, right? It's like, what'd you just say? And listen to what Jesus says in John 16, five through seven. He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Think about that. Jesus is saying all these things and not one of the disciples is asking, where are you going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And so, Let's think about this. The disciples that are at a turning point, Jesus is leaving. He's warning them that he's headed out. But they weren't asking the right questions. And they didn't understand how close the Holy Spirit was really going to be. And they didn't probably at that time really trust that what Jesus was saying was really true, that it's going to be better for them if he goes because the Holy Spirit and how close the Holy Spirit was going to be to them was going to be even better. And so they were at a turning point and they weren't asking the right questions. They would, and, and like, like us, a lot of times we're asking ourselves, where is God? When we should be asking ourselves, where am I? The turning point of the year usually produces some questions in our life. You know, we, even if it's just for like five minutes, some of us, some of us, we just move on really, really quickly. But some of us, we sit and we reflect and we think and you maybe journal. Maybe you write down some New Year's resolutions. I've, I've heard some funny ones this year. You know, I heard somebody say that their New Year's resolution was going to be to live their best life and only buy pants that had no buttons or zippers. Some of you get that when you go home today. One guy said his New Year's resolution was to go outside, right? To go outside, he's been cooped up all year. Somebody said their New Year's resolution was to buy all the 2020 calendars uh, that are still in stores and just burn them, right? And so there's, you know, we joke and we talk about, and a lot of times we know, hey, I'm going to set some New Year's resolutions, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to keep them. But there's this idea of a fresh start with the turning of the calendar. And when you think about it, it's all pretty arbitrary, right? Right? Because, you know, you're the same person today that you were on the 31st, right? You're the same person. You have the same past. You have the same consequences of the choices that you've made up until now. So... A date 
doesn't change the choices that you've already made. You know, I tell myself a lot, if I, in, in a lot of areas of my life, if I could have fixed myself on my own, I probably would have already. And so we all deal with things that are just really tough to get out of, which is even more reason why you, you and I, man, we need Jesus. 80%, listen, 80% of New Year's resolution, resolutions fail. Can you believe that? 80%. It takes about 66 days to change one habit. They used to say, I remember when I was growing up, 21 days, but actually they did research. And now the scientists say, whoever they are, that it's 60 day, 66 days to change one. I don't know about you, but I have more than one habit that needs to change. Is anybody with me? Let's just get real here on this, this first Sunday of the new year. And so it's hard to change. And since our habits and our relationships shape our lives so much, we better be asking ourselves the right questions as we assess and measure our lives and our effectiveness for the kingdom of God. I I don't know about you, but I want to ask the right questions. I want to ask the right questions because when I look at scripture, it's not so much about where God is. It's really about where I am. He's made himself available. He's given us his Holy Spirit. The question is, where am I? Where am I going? What have I done with what God's given me? It's really hard to get where you need to go if you haven't determined the destination and where you are in the first place, right? Interesting nature fact. I heard that rhinoceroses, I don't know if that's the plural, rhinoceri, I don't know. I'm not a grammar expert, but rhinos, they are the only quadruped, that, ha- that means they have four legs, right? That is physically wired to only move forward. Isn't that cool? They're the only animal on the face of the planet. They cannot walk backwards. They can only physically move forward. I love that. It can't go backwards. We need that mentality. It's not about where we've been. It's about where am I and where am I going, right? We, get, we have to take on that mentality. I remember on, on my honeymoon with Jolie, we, uh, we both kind of like adventure. And so we, um, we got in the car and we drove all the way out to Colorado. And one of the excursions that we plan, planned on our, on our honeymoon was to go caving. How many of you are claustrophobic, right? All right, so we get in this cave and we're crawling around and we've got the classic, you know, helmet and the light on. And we get to real deep. At one point, he, he tells us to shut our lights off. So everybody shuts our lights off. And I mean, darker than you can imagine, right? It's just pitch black and it's creepy. And he tells you while it's pitch black, he's like, you're 75 feet underground. And it just kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies, right? And, and, and then we, we go through this one part where it's such a tight, you know, tunnel when you crawl through that you reach a point where you literally could not go backwards if you want to. Like there's only one way out and it's forward, right? And at that time, you have a choice. I can either panic and freak out because you get in these positions and it almost feels like you can't move. But the only way to go is to move forward. Have you ever been in a place like that? You can't go back. You can only go forward. Think about the Israelites. They're in the desert 
And they, they, they can't go back. They wanted to. Some of them were like, I want to go back to Egypt. But they couldn't go back. They could only move forward. How many of you are thankful that you can only move forward in 2020? You don't want to go, 2021, you don't want to go back, right? We don't want to go back to how things were. We want to go into the future that God has for us. Now, church, I've got some bad news for you. Just because we're going into a new year does not guarantee good things. It doesn't. But we have some personal choices that we can make to thrive regardless of our circumstances. And so this morning, we're going to talk about some principles we need to apply in order to hit the reset button and move forward this year. We've got to move forward. Your family needs you to move forward. Your work life needs you to move forward. You need you to move forward. We can't move back. And so number one, what do you need if you're going to move forward? You need honesty. If you want to fill in the blanks in your notes that are on your seats or you can jump on your app, the notes will be on your app as well. If you're going to move forward, you've got to get honest with yourself. Genesis 3.9, it says, Then the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? You know, I said the most important question is not where is God, it's where am I? And how do I know this is the most important question? Because this was the first question recorded in Scripture. When God comes into the garden, and you know that he knew that that, that Adam and Eve had sinned, right? It's not like God walked into the garden that day and didn't know, right? And as a parent, have you ever asked your kids a question that you knew the answer to already? And you're asking them because you want them to know the answer to the question. That's exactly what God is doing here. He walks into the garden. Adam and Eve had sinned. They had done exactly what God had told them not to do. And God asks this question, Adam, where are you? Adam was hiding. He was ashamed. He and Eve both knew that they had sinned. And God wanted them to get honest about where they were at. You see, most of us shrink away from honesty because we fear the reaction or disapproval of others. We fear God's reaction. If we were to speak out loud where we really were, some of you, you've been through a tough year and the most important thing that you could ever do right now is to get honest about where you're really at, to get honest about how you're really feeling inside, to tell that trusted advisor or person in your life just how things really are on the inside. And you need to, as you get honest with yourself, you need to remember this. God pursued Adam and Eve and he knew that even when he knew that they had sinned, in spite of their failure, he pursued them. He still walked into their mess that day in the garden and he said, where are you? Just like a loving father would. He walked into the mess. It didn't mean that all the consequences of their actions were gone but he still pursued them and he's still pursuing you and me. Listen, most of us have uphill dreams, but downhill habits. Have you ever been there? It's like, man, I want this relationship with God. I want to go to this next level in my life. I want to have this kind of family. I want to have this kind of business or this type of future. But our habits, because we're not really honest with ourselves, 
because we don't take an honest look at our habits and our, and our, our routines and our choices, we've got these downhill habits when we want an uphill life, right? We've got uphill dreams, but downhill habits. We have to be honest with where we're at. Isn't it ironic that Adam and Eve were hiding from the one person that could actually help them? We do the same thing, right? We run the opposite direction of of the direction we should be going. Listen, if you don't know what's limiting you, or if you're not honest with yourself about what's limiting you or holding you back or keeping your relationship with God from growing, how will you ever remove that thing from your life? You've got to get honest. I love what Charles Schultz said. He said, life is like a 10-speed bike. Most of us have gears we never use, right? And why? Because we're not honest with ourselves. We're not honest about, man, I need to stop this or I need to start that. We're afraid that if we do make an adjustment in our life that somebody will point the finger and be like, I told you so. I told you, you should have changed that a long time ago. And so instead of dealing with the discomfort of admitting that, man, we needed to change and we needed to move on and we needed to do something different, we just stay in our downhill habits that just keep taking us further down. I want to ask you a question this morning. How are you really? We ask each other that question all the time. Hey, how's it going? How are you? And what's our normal answer? Good. I'm good. Right? Oh, I'm great. And then our, our close friends get with us and they're like, no, how are you really? Right? Man, you're in the most trusted relationship, trusting relationship that you could ever been. If you know Jesus, you can trust him immensely. Be honest with your Savior today. What's holding you back? I love in Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, there's this picture that's given to us that is, that man, Every time I read this passage, it shakes me to my core. Listen, God told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's shop and I'll speak to you there. So I did as he told me and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So just imagine the potter's making this jar. What happens? So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Listen, church, honesty isn't about beating yourself up. It's about getting started in the right direction. And and the starting point is realizing, God, my life, it maybe didn't turn out like you wanted it to. And so God, I'm gonna get honest and God, I'm gonna invite you to just like that potter. God, you're the potter, I'm the clay. Take my life, break it, crush it so that you can mold me and shape me to be the person that you've called me to be. But listen, until you get honest about where you're at, that you need to be broken, that you need to be shaped, that you need to be molded in the potter's hands, then you can't become what God's created you to be. All the devil wants you to think is that if you're honest 
it will solidify your circumstances and make your life into a mold that is unbreakable. See, the devil wants you to think that if you're honest, that you're accepting the label that he gives you, which might be failure. It might be addict. It might be you're a loser. It might be you're mediocre. You're average. You're unpredictable. You're boring. That's the lie that the devil wants you to believe that if you're really honest with yourself, that you're just accepting those labels on your life. When in reality, when you open up yourself to be breakable, to be moldable, that's a great thing because that means that you're in the hands of the living and loving God. He's gonna break you, he's gonna mold you and shape you into his likeness if you let him. Listen, church, I would rather be broken in the hands of a loving God than temporarily whole in a world that is fading away. Amen? Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Amen? So the first thing you need to do in the new year is get honest. As you hit the reset button, it starts with honesty. So I'm honest with where I'm at, and then I need to, number two, get clarity on what in the world I'm here for. I gotta get clear. clear. We complicate this so much because listen, I've gotta figure out God's will for my life, but so much of the time we think of God's will in the wrong way. You see, God's will, it's not a feeling. God's will, it's not a formula. God's will is for you to be living and thriving in a relationship with him. And so if you open the Bible, you learn all kinds of things that are clear about God's will for you. There is so much that is clear about God's will for you that he makes it easy for you to find Now, there are specific things that maybe God will lead you and guide you to do, and that's what his Holy Spirit is with you. You know, that's the purpose of his Holy Spirit. But there's so much that is totally clear that we don't have an excuse when when we say, hey, I don't know what God's will for my life is. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus is clear about the attributes of a blessed person, a person that he says, you know, man, you're gonna be happy. You're gonna be blessed. You're gonna be in the center of God's will. And so how do you get clarity? You open God's will. In Matthew chapter five, we call this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And this is one of the most famous sermons that Jesus gave, right? And the word blessed, makarios, (coughs) in the Greek Here's what it means. It means spiritual joy and satisfaction that lasts regardless of conditions, that carries on, that carries one on through pain, sorrow, loss, and grief. Listen, if you want that kind of clarity, if you want that kind of anchor in your life, if you want that kind of north star, that kind of compass, then you need to know God's word. And so, You get honest with yourself and then you need to know, you need to be clear about why you're here. Let's read this passage, Matthew 5, 3 through 11. And I'm gonna preach right through it. Here we go. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What does that tell me? I'm here to depend on God. What am I here for? I'm here to to depend on God. 
God blesses those who mourn for there will be comforted. What does that tell me? That I'm here to have a repentant, broken heart. Does my heart beat for the same things that God's heart beats for? Does my heart break for the same things that God's heart breaks for, right? God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. What does that tell me? I'm here to have a strong but teachable spirit, right? I don't know everything. So I'm gonna let no spiritual pride get into my heart. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they'll be satisfied. What does that tell me? I'm here to seek after righteousness and holiness at all costs with everything that I have. God blesses those who are merciful for they'll, they'll be shown mercy. What does that tell me? That I'm here to have a forgiving and compassionate spirit. God blesses those who are, whose hearts are pure for they will see God. What does that tell me? That I'm here to be, I need to have purity in my motives and in my actions. I'm living for God's glory, not mine. God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. What does that tell me? That I need to have great relationships in my life. And if there's any relationships, relationships in my life that are broken or just tension filled, I need to make it right. I need to reconcile. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of God, for the, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What does that mean for me? That if I follow Jesus, I will share in his suffering. Persecution. And I need to suffer well, right? God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Man, that's a tough verse. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So what does that tell me? My focus is my heavenly reward. Man, if you need some New Year's resolutions, just resolution out that passage. That's your goals. You need some life goals. You need some relationship goals. Put that on your refrigerator. You need some clarity about what to do next. Read God's word. You see, did you, do you get my drift? You need clarity. Open God's word. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for, for asking, right? Don't make complicated what God has made simple. His will for you is so clear. This leads us to our third point today. First, I need to be honest. Then I need to be clear what in the world am I here to do? And then I need to plan. I got a plan. I need to get some planning done. <coughs> Habakkuk 2.2 says, write my answer plainly on tablet, tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The most important part of that verse is my answer, right? my answer on plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. <laughs> what does that tell me? I need to get with God and I need, need to hear from him for me, right? I need to open God's word and I need to study for me. God, what's your answer to me about my life and how it's going? What do I need to change? So the first step to planning is to hear from God. How intently are we hungering for and seeking God's direction for our life? Here, I'm gonna make planning really simple for you. 
because I know there's two types of people. There's planners, and then there's people that fly by the seat of their pants. And if I took a poll of hands in this room, it'd probably be about 50-50, right? Some of you, you just are like spontaneous. You just take every day as it comes, right? And some of you, you have every minute of every day planned out. And let me tell you, there's not a right or wrong there. But here's what I've learned. It doesn't matter what type of person you are, or what personality you are, your life with Christ is too precious not to do some sort of planning. You see, the very organized administrative type person might plan in a certain way. If you're a little bit more spontaneous, you might have a different method of planning. But here's what I know, that if you don't plan at all, it's bad stewardship. It just is, right? And your life with Christ is just too precious not to be intentional about and to do some planning. And so here's, here's some tips for planning made simple. What are you going to say yes to and what are you going to say no to, right? What goes on the calendar? How will I arrange my days for maximum impact? I can't do everything, right? So how will I steward my days? What am I going to do with my gifts? What am I going to do with what God has given me? And if you don't know, I just want to encourage you, try something. Don't overcomplicate it. Trust me, if you want to get involved in serving in your gifts, we can find an area for you to serve here at Mosaic. We've got all kinds of kids and youth that need you to operate in your giftings. We have adults that come here on Sunday morning that need you to operate in your giftings. You need to step out and serve. Listen, sometimes when you're thinking about planning, God, what in the world do you want me to do? Sometimes God delegates the outcome and lets you fill in the blanks, right? He wants you to be a faithful follower of Christ. That's the outcome. And now you get to plan on how you're gonna fill in the blanks with your life. A lot of people use the SMART acrostic when they plan. Have you ever heard of this? The SMART acrostic. The S stands for specific. You need to get specific about how you want to serve Jesus this year, right? Maybe the specific goal has to do with Bible reading or growing in your leadership capacity or leading a group or volunteering or maybe some goals in your family, some spiritual goals in your family that you want to see. The M, it stands for something that is measurable. How are you going to measure it? Some goals are really hard to measure. And, but what I found is that there's input goals and output goals. An output goal would be that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, uh, you know, lose 40 pounds or whatever. An input goal would be I'm going to read my Bible every single day, no matter what, right? Because I can't always quantify what's going to happen because I read my Bible every day, but I can make a choice to read my Bible every day. And so whatever the measurement is that you want to use for your goal, you can do that. And then the A in SMART, it stands for action-oriented, right? It means that you need to put some feet to the plan. Here's the deal. I want to be a better dad isn't very specific, right? It's not action-oriented. It gives me no specifics about how I'm going to accomplish that goal. And so I'm going to add some action steps. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z with my kids to be a better dad, right? You got to get specific. And then there's the R, realistic right? I want to be realistic about it. What can I actually get done? Because there's no use setting a goal if I can't actually attain it. And so what's the realistic means? Uh, You know, a lot of times we overestimate what we can do in the short term, but we underestimate what we can do in the long term. 
right? And so if I'm going to do something realistically, it's something that I can do every day or every week or every month on a regular basis, and I can for sure execute this goal. And then the last is time sensitive, right? It's not a goal if it doesn't go on your calendar. You're going to give it a due date. You're going to give it a time when it's going to happen, right? Those are just some really, really, really practical tips. If you want to plan out how you're going to do X, Y, Z this year, right? I love very practical tools like the SOAP method. You know, if you want a better devotional life, right, you can plan out how you're going to do it. I'm going to find a scripture every day that, that speaks to me. Some people do it by just deciding I'm going to read one chapter a day. I'm going to pick one verse from that chapter, right? I'm going to observe something about it and write it down. I'm going to write down how I'm going to apply that to my life today, and then I'm going to make it a matter of prayer, and I'm going to spend some time praying and asking God to wash me with the water of his word and let that scripture come alive in my life and make it a matter of prayer, right? Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Man, I'm all about the plan. And so if you need some ideas about how to plan in your life, godly priorities, man, give me a call, shoot me an email. Um, Either me or one of our leaders here at church would love to help you plan it out. You see, some of you are like, oh, I'm not a planner. Jesus came with a plan. It was so incredibly obvious. You can look at somebody's life and tell what their plan was. You look at Jesus's life and you see his plan loud and clear. His plan was to come, and what did he do? He spent time with the Father all the time. He constantly getting away to pray. What else did he do? He came preaching, teaching, and healing the sick. Preaching, teaching, and healing the sick over and over and over. It was his plan. What else did he do? He spent time with his disciples. Translated into today's vernacular, leadership development. He was all about reproducing himself into these 12 disciples. What else did he do? He came to serve, right? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What else did he do? He came to seek and save lost people. And lastly, what else did he come to do? He came to die. Jesus had a very clear plan. Very clear. What's yours going to be? What's the rhythm of your life going to be? What are going to be those things that at the end of your life, when it's all said and done, people look at you and look at what's happened in your life and say, it's obvious. That person came to do this and this and this and this. Will it be as clear about your life and what you were planning to do as it was in Jesus's life? Because that's the challenge, right? That we came, that we're here and serving him to be like him. So what's your rhythm going to be? Just another little idea here. If it doesn't cost you something, it's probably not worth much, right? It has to cost you something. You got to have some skin in the game. It's not an add-on. This is your life we're talking about. So number four, as we close today, if you want to hit the reset button in your life, you got to be honest got to get clarity on what you're here to do. You got to plan it into your schedule and your calendar. How are you going to live it out? And then number four, the toughest of all, you've got to execute. You've got to execute. We all know somebody in our lives, and maybe for some of you, it's you, right? And sometimes it's me, 
You know, people that say one thing and do another. Man, I've been there a time or a million, right? When you have plans that you never get to, right? That honey-do list that never really takes fruition. Ladies, quit elbowing, right? You know, no elbows thrown here in church. But we all have that. Things I said, yes, I'm going to do that, but I don't do. Man, this, when it comes to our spiritual life and following Jesus, though, this gets really, really serious. James 1, through 24 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Let that sink in. If you don't do what you say you are, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a child of the King, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life, I got baptized to show the world that I'm His, I am a follower of Jesus. But if we only listen to God's word, we don't do what it says, the Bible's saying that we are forgetting our true identity. Right? So this one comes down to you, it comes down to me. We can hear from a burning bush. We can watch the waters part miraculously in our life. We can miraculously be provided for, but I still have to move. Have you ever been somebody, I know I have, that the waters parted in your life, but you never walked across on dry ground? God showed up, he did something amazing for you, but you never had the faith to step out into it. Man, I've been there. And my prayer for you as your pastor, that both for you and myself, that when God opens up a path, that I have the courage to execute, that I have the courage to walk forward into the plan that he has for me. Because a plan without implementation is just a waste of time. The Bible, his word that he gave you is powerless unless lived out through your life. You see, the power comes when you step out of the boat. The power comes when you follow Jesus. The power comes when you take the authority and the name that he's given you and you apply it to your life. Man, I remember reading in my devotions just the other day how surprised the disciples were when they came back to Jesus and they said, even the demons listen to us when we use your name, right? Have to execute. Have you just been somebody that's just been watching from the outside? Or are you stepping into and executing God's plan for your life? Your measuring stick, listen, your measuring stick for your identity is your obedience to God's word. Maybe you're saying, Joe, man, if God parted the waters for me, of course I'd walk through, right? If God did these big miracles for me, of course I'd walk through, or of course I'd do it. But listen, when it comes to executing God's plan for your life, it's not just big miracles that he wants you to be a part of, that, that he, it, big miracles aren't the only thing that Jesus asked us to join him in. In John 13, Jesus did something powerful, gathers all his disciples around, he washes their feet. Remember that story? He washes their feet. He does this incredible act of service to them. Peter's arguing with him. You can't do that to me. And, and Jesus is like, sit down and shut up, basically, right? Washes their feet. 
And then he said something powerful. He said, now do as I've done to you, serve, right? John 13, 15, he says, I've given you an example to follow. Now do as I've done to you. This is brass tacks. This is like, am I or am I not a follower of Jesus? And I just wanna encourage you church, this year, we hit the reset button. And we're like, Jesus, I wanna be somebody who does what you've asked me to do. No matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, no matter if people see me, no matter if they don't see me, in public, in private, on stage, off stage, front stage, backstage, wherever I am, Jesus, I wanna execute your plan for my life. No matter what, no matter what you want me to do, right? I know for myself many times, instead of executing my plan and God's plan for my life, I execute my excuses, right? But God, today we wanna lay our lives at your feet, this year and our plans and our direction and how we lead our families and how we lead at work and how we lead ourselves. Jesus, we want to follow the example that you set before us. It's so clear. I know that walking forward into 2021, there's still so much we don't know, right? There's so many things we don't have answers for. There's so much that could still be discouraging. There's so much that could still be just heavy on our hearts. And there's a lot that I don't know but I do know that I can do these four things, right? I do know that I can be honest with myself and with God. I can get clarity from God's word. I can plan the absolute best I can and I can execute the plan to the best of my ability. I can do all that and you can too, amen? Bow your heads and close your eyes today. I really think that there's somebody here maybe multiple people, that it's time to get honest about where you're at. And you maybe you've been on a journey and you just know today that you need to get honest with yourself, that you need Jesus, that you haven't been following him, that maybe you've been searching, maybe you've been hearing, maybe you're here because your spouse invited you or a friend invited you and you're just checking things out. But man, you've realized I need to get honest because if I don't get honest with God, how am I ever gonna experience the full life that he gave me, right? The first step is that honesty of repentance and saying, God, I've messed up. God, I don't, I'm not right with you. Confessing that you're a sinner. That's where it starts for all of us. The Bible says we've all fallen short. Every single person in this room, me included, everybody. And God, I need to get honest. I need you. And so if that's you today and you need to get honest that you need to start a relationship with Jesus, that you're not where you should be, that you wanna just come clean with Jesus today, you want him to wash your heart, be pure of sin and guilt and shame, and you wanna begin a fresh relationship with Jesus Christ today, if that's you, I just invite you to raise your hand, not as a sign to me, but as a sign to God. You're reaching out your hand towards him and saying, God, that's me. Forgive me, redeem me shape me, 
mold me. I surrender my life to you. If that's you today, just raise your hand. Amen. Thank you so much. Those of you that have your hands up, man, you're making a massively huge choice today to put Jesus first. God, I pray for my friends with have their hands raised today. I pray that you bless them in their honesty. God, as they make this confession today that they need you. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, just invade their hearts as they invite you to take residence in their, in, their, in their hearts and in their souls. Jesus, thank you so much. Your word promises that when we reach out to you and we confess, you're faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, you place us in right standing with you. We're so thankful for that today. God, I pray for our church, for us, for myself, as we move into 2021, God, as we make our plans. God, your word says that man, we, we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. And so God, direct us. God, we're gonna do the best that we possibly can. God, we're gonna try to be good stewards of our time and our resources. And God, we just are gonna stay open from day to day for you to, to adjust and move. God, we know that our plans change. Your, that God, is, as we move forward in life, you make it more clear every day. And so God, I just pray that we do what we know to do. And God, we listen to your Holy Spirit as you lead us and nudge us and guide us along the way. Jesus, help us to be sensitive to your calling, sensitive to your spirit as we move forward. God, help us to have this posture of honesty. God, this pursuit of clarity. God, this intensity and, and, and drive of planning and, and being good stewards. And God, help us to follow through. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, some of my friends are going to come up front to pray with us today. If you need prayer, I just encourage you to, to find one of them after service. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be up front here if you need prayer as well. And, um, and just take some time and think about it. Uh, think about what God has done in your life. And, and, then, and then also just a couple announcements before you go. Um, there's a connect card in the seat back pocket in front of you. If you accepted Christ today, I just want to encourage you to check that box. I've decided to follow Jesus today. Turn that card in when you leave. If it's your first time with us, if you could fill that card out in its entirety and drop it in the bucket on your way out, that sure would help us connect with you. Also, uh, youth, we're back meeting this week on Wednesday. So if you're a student, love to see you there. Um, Mosaic 101 is on the 13th. And so um, I encourage every single person uh, whether you've been coming to Mosaic a long time or whether you are new to Mosaic, uh, come. If you came to the last one, you don't have to come again. But, um, you know, this, this kind of new one-on-one uh, -on -one class that we're doing, would love everybody to come through at least once uh, and, and check out the new Mosaic one-on-one -on -one class. And so that's on the 13th. You could sign up online. You could sign up on the Connect card in front of you, um, however you want to sign up. And then lastly, just want to thank you so much for your generosity in, in 2020. And uh, today you can continue to worship God in your giving with your tithes and offerings. As you leave, you can drop it in the buckets or you can give online on mosaiccincinnati.com. Um, and we so appreciate your faithfulness in giving. Let me pray and dismiss you today. God, I thank you for your people. God, I thank you for our, their generosity. God, I thank you that you're our provider. And so God, I just pray for that everything we give today just goes to do awesome things for you and your kingdom. And we just thank you a thousand times in advance for uh, what you're gonna do uh, in our church this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.